0: Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Carrie Shumway, and I'll be your host. Today, you'll be hearing the audio from our live training session for the Brewery Financial Training Program. If you'd like to learn more about the Brewery Financial Training Program, you can click the link in the show notes, or you can just go to carriesfinancialtraining.com and check out the course details. There are two flavors of the Brewery Financial Training Program. One is our general overview, and the other is done in partnership with ECOS, so you can learn about financial training concepts and tactics, and then how to apply them using the ECOS software. So the Brewery Financial Training Program is for owners, managers, and staff who need practical financial training to improve cash flow profitability, and to build a better brewery business. The course includes 40 lessons delivered across six modules. We have a total of eight hours of instruction, six graded quizzes, and a final exam. So again, if you'd like to learn more, please head over to cariesfinancialtraining.com, check out the shop courses section, and you'll get all the details. So for now, please enjoy this live session of our Q&A for the brewery financial training program everybody and welcome to our live session on the brewery financial training course and happy St. Patrick's Day thank you for joining me on this lovely day and just want to reiterate that these live sessions are a forum to do a couple of things one is really to help you with any questions however big or small that you might have and keep you going on the course content and then to present highlights from the course modules kind of in a a bite-sized fashion. So I'm gonna run through modules three and four today, present some highlights, and also use this as a form to share things that I'm learning that might be useful or profitable for you. So one thing that I'm sure you've heard of, but I think it bears repeating, is the ERTC, the Employee Retention Tax Credit, um, so if you're familiar with it and you've already investigated whether it's right for your brewery or you qualify, then you're all set. If you haven't checked that out and you think you might qualify, I would definitely encourage you to do so. The first step would be to talk with your payroll provider and just you know check in to see if this is a, something they can file on your behalf and then check in with your CPA firm. Um, and i'm I'm happy to field any informational questions on it. I don't do taxes or filings like that, but I can just share what I've learned in that regard. So if there are questions on that, I'd be happy to to uh, to take those. But it's definitely a big deal. encourage you to check it out. And lastly, on that point is I recently did a podcast with Josh Lance. He's a CPA on the ERTC. So you can find that on Training dot com or just go to Apple Podcasts, search for Craft Brewery Financial Training and ERTC. You should see it there. Housekeeping items. We have our chat area, as you know. So definitely encourage questions, comments, feedback, anything you like in the chat area. If you would like to reach out, uh, happy to handle any questions via email, carry at beerbusinessfinance.com. Also happy to do a short call if you have a question that doesn't lend itself to the chat or an email. And, of course, presentations of this will be available for replay and for sharing with your team. Uh, You should get an email about an hour or so after the conclusion of this with a link uh, to get the replay. And the presentation deck is available. If you go to the upper right-hand corner, there's a little handout section. You should be able to click that and get the download there. So, just very quickly, my name is Kerry Shumway. I'm a CPA, CFO, Former CFO for a beer distributor and currently partner and CFO at Wormtown Brewery in Worcester, Massachusetts. So very happy to be presenting this information to you and fielding any questions that you may have about the brewery financial training program or any other challenges you may be facing in your brewery. So last week we did in our live training, we covered modules one and two, and we talked about the brewery financials, chart of accounts, general ledger, really how to set up your income statement, balance sheet and statement cash flows. And today we're going to talk about the highlights of Modules 3 and 4 from the Brewery Financial training course. Module 3 are these common financial problems that tend to crop up in Brewery Financials. I want to just present to you what they are, give you some tips in terms of how to identify whether you have these problems, and then some starting points on how you can address them. And then we'll cover cost of goods sold and pricing. That's the highlight of Module 4. Next week, we'll go through Module 5. This is our budgeting module, financial planning. And then we'll wrap it up the following week with Module 6 on cash flow. As I mentioned last time, when you're starting the Brewery Financial Training Program, there's just a course introduction, you know, goes through the overview, the outline and the objectives. In the bottom section where it says "Please introduce yourself," I'd love to hear from you if you haven't done so already. You know, tell me about what you hope to get from the course, uh, what are your goals and objectives, and maybe any challenges that you're facing. So, if you go through that introduce yourself section, there's a series of questions. Um, for those who have filled it out, thank you. That's very helpful. It helps me, you know, create course content that's going to be most useful uh, for you guys. So, if you haven't done it yet, uh, please do fill that out. I appreciate it. I wanted to share some of the feedback, questions, challenges that others have uh, put out there. Um, and this may be, these may be challenges that you're facing as well. One comment was a big challenge is getting raw material inventory right, just from a from an ordering perspective, from a stocking perspective, from a safeguarding perspective for, you know, counting it and so forth. You know, raw material inventory in general is a huge asset and it's a lot of cash tied up. So having a good process around our inventory is super important. And we'll dig into that a little bit here today as I highlight, you know, one of the problems that does come up is inaccuracy in inventory. It has a a very um, pervasive ripple effect. You know, when your inventory is not right, uh, that can create lots of problems throughout your organization, operationally, sales-wise, you know, certainly cash flow-wise. So this this individual has a challenge and that's it's frankly it's a challenge for most breweries so having good systems and process is one of the ways to address that another comment was relative to debt loans and the comment was our debt load is what keeps me up at night and for sure you know debt can be a a, a burden it can be um, something that can also act as a motivator you know i got to pay the i got to pay the bank back got to get out of bed got to get going Uh, So debt load certainly, from a financial perspective, what I recommend with this is saying, well, how do we identify if your debt load is is right? How how do we determine if your brewery is properly leveraged? So we get into certain ratios in that regard, you know, how to determine, you know, your debt to equity, for example, how to determine uh, whether you can adequately uh, finance pay back uh, the debt. So we have certain metrics that we like to see relative to. You know, how much do you owe on a monthly basis? And what is your, your EBITDA or your cash flow coming in? So you do those comparisons. So that's how I like to start with addressing that question. Might The debt might still keep you up at night, but at least you can measure it and determine, you know, whether you're, you're kind of in line as to where you should be from a financial perspective. This question, this third one, this challenge, uh, their challenge is properly costing our beer and understanding margins. This comes up all the time is you know, how to get the costs accurate. And again, it comes back to a system. I would say it's, you know, it's a system and then it's using certain software. A lot of smaller breweries will use spreadsheets, which is fine, um, depending on your volume, uh, so long as they're set up properly and you can update them. Um, And then there's other software systems certainly that can, that can, uh, track this and automate this this type of costing. So really what I recommend here is really just starting with, you know, looking at your bill of materials. You know, do you have a decent understanding of how you're costing your beer currently and how you're going to do it going forward and whether you can scale uh, that approach. So for example, if you've only got, you know, a handful of SKUs now, do you have a system so that you can scale it, you know, if you in the future have dozens or or more different SKUs to track. So first step, review your bill of materials, understand what questions, are, or identify what questions you may have relative to what costs go into, into your uh, the cost of your beer. A couple more challenges, questions, goals. Uh, one of the goals uh, from one of the students was to gain more insight into the true workings, uh, true financial workings of a brewery. Others wanted to understand target metrics, and others wanted to understand the financials of a production brewery versus a brew pub so these are all great questions all covered in, in different aspects of the course you know certainly I'm a big advocate for and I I talk about this a lot is separating your production brewery from your tap room so that you can see sales and margins at a minimum and you can also see your operational so you really just want to know what's the relative profitability of these different uh, types of business within your business so really having a good chart of account setup so you can run your financial reporting separately. Um, The metrics, you know, we get into that a lot in the key metrics section. We talk about how to identify what metrics really uh, matter in your business so that when you understand, when you measure them and you improve on them, it's going to make a material difference in your financial outcomes. So lots of target metrics out there and, you know, it really is dependent upon and what your specific challenges might be. Um, so whether it's from a sales margin perspective, a bottom line, an EBITDA, maybe it's an inventory that comes up a lot in terms of inventory carrying costs and turnover. So we'd have to go through a few questions to diagnose uh, what the right metrics are uh, for your particular circumstance. So those were just some of the questions. And again, I love love getting these, really helps me understand what, what people need help with. So these are the highlights that we're going to cover next. Uh, Module three, common problems in the financials. Module four, beer costing and pricing. So these these are really the four common problems that I see. Keg inventory, product inventory, essentially inaccuracies within our inventory. Uh, Accounts receivable collections uh, or slow paying or no paying. You know, that's cash flow. That's a real hit to cash flow. And then project uh, product margin variances. This happens a lot and there's a number of common reasons why it happens so I'm going to give you some some point some things to um, to look at to see if you have these issues. in costing and pricing you know, we're just going to go through this section relatively quickly. I'm just trying to cover a lot of ground here um, and beer costing and pricing certainly is a, is a much longer conversation but I'll just hit some of the highlights in terms of starting points and things to think about when you're costing and pricing your beer. So to begin, you know, one of the common problems from a financial perspective, it happens a lot is that is relative to keg inventory and we have missing kegs really just need to kind of shift the perspective and look at kegs as if it's regular inventory. Cause for some reason, very often, you know, we differentiate, we'd say, well, product inventory, that's inventory, but kegs, you know, those are just, you know, I, I don't know why they would be thought of as separate, but, they really are when they go missing, they're missing dollars. And when we count what we have and we compare it to what we should have on the balance sheet, you know, that process is is really a reconciliation. What's what does the balance sheet say we have for kegs? And then what's actually on the floor or out at retail accounts? And then very often there's a nasty surprise because there's a difference between the two, and we do not know where those kegs are. So we want to have some best practices, some systems in place to track and monitor those keg assets and using tools to make that process more efficient and effective. So there's definitely lots of software out there to do that. We use keg ID, works great, QR codes to track. Uh, So that's just one way you can go about this. From a process perspective, count and reconcile, it's very similar to regular product inventory, except kegs can live in lots of different places. So we'll have full kegs in the brewery, empty kegs in the brewery. So we need to count full and empty kegs that are out at retail. And then if we're working with wholesalers, what do they have on hand? So the stuff lives in a lot of different places. And because it's in it's so many places, it does lend itself to kegs going missing. Um, so having a good process, counting on a regular basis, is just going to catch those errors before they come big problems, you know, keg loss happens, you know, I don't know that we can eliminate it entirely, but we can certainly mitigate it and put systems in place to get to recoup our money if we're losing um, in certain places, but we got to start with a process to count it, identify the places where it lives, and then put in systems uh, to go out there and do those reconciliations. So this is the keg ID software that I was referencing. You know, essentially what happens is each keg has a unique QR code and there's a process to scan kegs in and keg them, out, uh, scan them out. So you know exactly where your kegs are located, or at least from a software perspective, you know where they should be. And you know, maybe as importantly, you know how long they've been there. So a lot of times with breweries that might be growing, or if you're in startup phase and you're trying to figure out how many kegs do I actually need to satisfy market demand? One of the metrics you'll look at is the the turnover. Essentially, you send the keg out, how long does it take to come back? Uh, So that's important in terms of doing the analysis of how much do I think I'm going to sell for kegs and how long are those kegs going to be out in the market before I get them back so I can clean them and refill them and send them out again. So that's that that turnover. So the software can do that automatically for you. Uh, There's just some setup involved. So I'd recommend looking at this it doesn't really matter what you use just so long as you have a system uh, this one just just works for us problem with product inventory or very similar to keg inventory is that it's inaccurate now keg inventory if it's inaccurate we can have some problems we can have financial problems whereby oh man I thought we had fifty thousand dollars worth of kegs we only have thirty thousand I don't know where the rest of it is that's a twenty thousand dollar write-off that's painful and furthermore if we run short, Maybe we're not able to meet market demand. That's painful too. So with product inventory, very similar. If we've got inaccurate inventory, whether it's raw materials, packaging materials, finished goods, you know, these can create problems uh, throughout the organization. Uh, Drew was asking, what's the name of the Keg software that we use? Uh, that's the it's a Keg ID. I think it might be SLG Logistics, uh, but I I'm pretty sure the brand name is Keg ID. Uh, so if you want to check that out, if if you can't find it, you just shoot me a message and I'll track down. They These these guys change hands and they change names, um, but I'm reasonably sure it's keg ID. Um, so obviously what can happen with, uh, you know, our inventories, if we're not counting on a regular basis, it's very easy for raw materials, package finished goods to get out of whack. So one of the starting points is that's right, Ian. Yeah, kegid.com. Perfect. Um, really identifying how you want to count your inventory. And I, and I look at this uh, really in kind of in two broad um, ways to go about it. You can do your cycle counts. You can do your full physical inventory counts. And I'll kind of talk through quickly the pros and cons of each. And I'll, you know, spoiler alert, I'm a big fan of cycle counts. I'm not a fan of full physical, but we'll go through these. When you're doing your inventory count process, there's really kind of three – Key things to think about first is planning and preparation, and this is hard because if we want to count, we just want to get out there, count the stuff, reconcile it, post it, and, and get on with our day. And I think this is one of the fundamental issues with a full physical count is they're done less frequently, and they're almost they almost don't feel like a regular part of our job. Whereas a cycle count, it's you know we're doing it on a regular basis, we're building that counting muscle, and furthermore we make we're. Of telling our organization is important to count and get this stuff right. This is part of our regular job, um, and you know, we can have major problems if we have inaccurate inventory. So, planning and preparation really just means you know, taking it seriously, uh, making sure your process is understood and communicated. Execution is really about largely about counting the right way. So, I've, I've seen a lot of counts where you know, people are just pulled in, they've never counted anything before, and you know, we we're asking them to to count pallets or maybe raw materials. It's it's just kind of a recipe for a disaster. So you, you want to have people that are trained uh, that can count. I know that sounds obvious, but I've seen it. Um, so we're counting properly. We have rules for recounts. Very often we'll go into a count and we, you know, we, we are checking what we should have and we've got variances. Well, how do you want to address those? At what point do you need to, recount, at what point you have to have someone independent, uh, a third party count it for you. So establishing those rules up front is important in the execution process. Then analysis of the results. You know, this is the one that, you know, very often gets left uh, for last and sometimes doesn't get done at all because we're we're just trying to get the count done, get the uh, the counts posted. We're not setting aside time for analysis in a post-mortem. Well, what do we find? What was the relative accuracy? What do we think might have gone wrong? How do we plug, how do we identify and plug some of these holes in the bucket? It's a super important step. Um, and I understand why, you know, sometimes we get rushed, but I, my recommendation is to set aside some time for that. Uh, so Kim uh, has a comment. We're dealing with third parties for distribution. How do we get them to cooperate with physical count, one is particularly bad i'm sorry to hear that um well i think it really comes down to you know setting the conditions it's like when you're working with a with a distributor sorry it's funny because it's true you know I've, I've i i feel your pain i guess it's more um you know what's what's the phrase there i you know laughing through the tears it's it's hard but yes, I would set the conditions with the, the distributor and basically say, look, these are these are our policies and procedures. Here's how we're going to handle kegs. We're going to do, you know, whatever you whatever your, um, think would be a good practice. But I would recommend having information sharing whereby the wholesaler is, you know, doing, you know, it's required to do those counts and so that you can do your reconciliation. So if you say, look, this is part of our larger uh, keg inventory count process, you know, as our business partner, we're asking you to do this. Um, So, you know, doing it up front is easier. uh, But if you have to go back and try to reset the rules, you you can do it. You know, the other way to do it is via KEG ID. Then you don't have to ask them to do anything. You know exactly what they have on hand. And then you can simply send them a report on a periodic basis, monthly, quarterly, that says, you know, we use KEG ID. We're scanning everything. Um, We, you know, our report shows that you've got, you know, 48 KEGs, you know, please confirm and then have them do the reconciliation that way. Uh, so that that's my preferred method because then then they're at least on notice that you're, you know, you've got a, a method of accountability there. Um, and Kim's asking is kegs and package product now in this case really just kegs because you you've already presumably if you're working with a distributor you've already sold the package product, uh, so that's kind of on them. They've they've taken it they've purchased it. You're you're good to go. Uh, Drew says I had a brewery assistant who was hard worker, but wasn't good at math. So I frequently had to recount crowls to determine what to fill for the week. Yeah, it's true. You know, I think it's like any any job. It's either, you know, you've got people that have the certain skill sets and counting, you know, it seems pretty straightforward, but, you know, depending on how we palletize products or, you know, what it is that we're counting, it may not be straightforward. So I, I'm, a, I'm really a fan of the people that are closest to the inventory, you know, to be involved in the count so that you get, you know, the best chance, uh, at an, at an accurate result. Now that's not always possible, but then it just comes down to training. But I think the takeaway is don't take it for granted that people know how to count. Cause in my experience, a lot of people don't, or they're just, they're rushing through it or there's not enough oversight. Um, so these are just very simple things that are, that are relatively easy to fix, but I see that happen a lot where we're, we're not taking the time to get the right people in there. And then just, just to kind of repeat on the full count versus a cycle count. Um, Again, a full physical count is typically done um, periodically. So you might do it once a month, once a quarter, maybe in some cases just once a year at the end of the year. Um, It can work. It can be fine. Uh, What I've found very often, though, is it can be a fire drill, too. We're trying to count everything, raw materials, packaging materials, finished goods, uh, work in progress. There's a lot to do. So if you have a big enough team and a good enough system, you could pull it off in contrast the cycle count is saying we're going to do this we're going to basically take the all of our inventory and we're going to cycle through it on a periodic basis and maybe we're counting a little bit each day or a little bit each week uh, with a goal to count everything within a specific period of time whether that's a month or a quarter but the shorter the better and what the cycle counts will do generally is identify the variances quicker and then the trail is fresh then you can go in and say okay we've got a variance I just counted this thing two weeks ago, so now I'm going to look at my transaction detail and see what might have occurred you know, in that two-week period and see if I can identify you know, what might be going on. So I think the cycle count really just compresses uh, the, the time period between counts so you have a better chance to see what actually went wrong. So that's inventory, a huge, huge deal, uh, some very simple things that you can put in place in order to you know, get a better handle on it. Accounts receivable, You know the problem that comes up here a lot is that we have, if we're working with retail accounts, that we may have slow paying accounts and that's going to create bad cash flow. We may have accounts that decide they're just not going to pay at all or they go out of business and that becomes bad debt. So either way, it's hurting our cash flow. So the takeaway here is to understand really how to run and read and review the accounts receivable aging report. And really what it comes down to is just staying on top of this, running this report on a regular basis, identifying accounts when uh, they might be uh, slow paying, and then having a system to follow up. Um, if you're working with a wholesaler, it, generally speaking, they're very good at paying. You know, that, that's one of the benefits is, you know, you've got one customer instead of, say, 100. And you've got one check. And, and uh, generally, the wholesalers are are good about paying their bills. Um, so if, you, if you're working through a wholesaler, hopefully your accounts receivable uh, collection issue is not uh, quite as challenging as if you're dealing with hundreds of retailers. Just a quick snapshot in the accounts receivable report. Um, if any standard accounting software, you should be able to run your AR aging report. In this example, it's really just showing us who are all the customers that owe us money and what is the age of those invoices. So for example, retailer 1 owes us 7500. We've got our aging across the top. These are the columns 0 to 30, 30 to 45. That's the date that's the age of the invoice or invoices due from that retailer. So I've color coded it here just so you can quickly see if it's green and our credit terms are say 30 days, you know, we're okay with that column. If it's in yellow, we've got some overdue situations and it's in red, we need to jump right on it. So if you're a relatively small brewery and you're doing everything, um, running this report should be part of your routine. And just depending on um, you know, how many accounts you have and what your history has been, I would recommend running it on a weekly or at a minimum, a monthly basis. And if you've got somebody that's doing this for you, just making sure they understand how to run it, how to read it, how to follow up on it, because it can, it can save you some headaches and certainly help your cash flow. Two best practices. We used to do this. We would say um, this is sort of a, a, a two-step technique to improve your cash flow. And again, very simple, but it works. You know, run the aging report and read it. That's step one. Step two, ask the customer for a check. That's it. So It's remarkable how often neither of these steps get done. Now, when, you're, when your brewery gets bigger and you've got salespeople that are out there, Uh, this is how I would train them. I'd say, look, are you reading the aging report before you go in to sell the account? Well, no, I didn't. Well, okay, let's do that. Okay. And then they read it and they, and they don't know how to read it. Okay. We have to train you on it. So step one seems pretty obvious, but then you're like, Oh, they don't actually even know how to read it or run it. So let's, let's solve that step two, ask the customer for the check. So a lot of, a lot of folks don't like to ask for money. It's just a thing. Um, but it's you know it's it's about our cash flow. It's a, it's about our financial viability. So we need to get over this and make it part of our routine. Just asking for the check. Hey, I've got a che- can I pick up a check today? I can see you've got an invoice here. Or there, do you need another copy of the invoice? Whatever it may be. And the other phrases I would use is pleasantly persistent. We want to collect the money and keep the customer. So we want just want to be good communication. There are business partners, you know. In in this circumstance, I'm thinking of retail partners, but read the aging, ask the customer for the check. It just works. Another problem that's very common is inconsistent gross margins or unexpected declines in those margins. What I love to do here is just a simple trend analysis, which sounds much fancier than it is. And and all I'm talking about is running a 12 month or six month uh, income statement. So if and I know if you're using QuickBooks, real easy. Just do a say a 12 month, and I want to see sales, cost of goods, margins. You can see expenses too, but really focusing on what our margins look like. And I want to I want to use those to try to determine what is the relative consistency of my margins because it should be pretty consistent. And if it's not, we should be able to explain it. So I just want to run through some of the common problems, you know that can that can cause those, and figure out how you want to. Uh, go about attacking. So again, a monthly income statement. What we typically do is we'll run a monthly, so a month to date or an, and a year to date, right? What I'm asking you to, to consider here is a 12-month is a income statement. So we're sitting here in March, and you've probably got February financials done. So looking at February and 12 months back, and then just looking and seeing what your consistency is relative to those margin percentages. Don't worry about all the numbers. That's that's the beauty of the percentages. If you've pegged your brewery margin and you know 40% is a margin you should expect, you want to see somewhere around 40% each month. And if it's different, you want to have, and if it's materially different, and this happens all the time, you know, one month it might be 4%, and then it's 68%, and then it's minus two. But what is going on here? So those are indications that something is amiss. And some of the causes of those, it, generally what it is, it's inventory valuation. It means we haven't properly valued our inventory. Our bill of materials is not right. It's missing something. Uh, it may mean we have timing issues relative to inventory receiving or shipping out. It may have pricing problems. You know, we might have costs of our product that have gone up uh, where pricing didn't respond in kind. Another common thing is not accruing expenses. And all I mean by this is, Let's just say we pay our um, taxes, say it's property taxes, or or even actually your TTB taxes could be paid on a quarterly basis. So month one, no taxes. Month two, no taxes. Month three, holy cow, there's a huge expense, and so that's going to create some margin variability. So I recommend if it's a material expense to accrue it to spread it out so that um, you know, you can smooth those margins, so so you don't get those those inconsistencies. But again, the big one is. Inventory valuation. So your solutions here, or your steps to take to try to solve these, is looking at your product costs and updating them. So taking your bill of materials, going through it, does it look complete and accurate, and then reviewing your inventory and shipping process. You know, step one is, do you have a process? Do, do folks know what the process is? Are they following it and how to double check that? A lot of times it's timing, like if product comes in and it gets received into the inventory records, but maybe we don't have the invoice, and then we've got a disconnect between, say, inventory value and the purchases on the income statement. So those timing issues are are a real thing, and they will contribute to those to those wide uh, fluctuations. So I'm just going to conclude with a little bit of costing of our beer and pricing of our beer. Um, so as I had talked about just in that previous section, relative to fluctuation in margins, you know, our inventory uh, costs can really influence a lot of things, not just margins, but, you know, in terms of whether we're complete and accurate in our in our bill of materials and how we want to price things going forward. So the building blocks of our beer costs, we know these, we know, we love these, direct material, direct labor, overhead, these comprise our bill of materials. These are all of the costs. So when we're thinking about, you know, what costs should be in here, and I get a lot of questions on this and it's good. It's good that these questions are coming in. It's like, well, should this be included in cost of goods? Or should that be in operating expense? You know, how do you think about these? You know, generally speaking, the rule is if it's a cost that's needed in the production or packaging of your beer, then it should go into cost of goods sold. So that'll cover, yeah, 80 to 90% of the, of the questions. And then you'll think, well, what about this expense? I think, um... We had a question in the course relative to, um, say, I think it was uh, internet and phone. Okay, you do need an internet and phone if, you know, you're brewing beer, maybe you need an internet connection to prop. But for me, I'd say, well, I don't know, probably not. So I might move that down into operating expense. So it could go into cost of goods. And the key is whichever you decide, those are kind of coin flips, you know, just to be consistent with it. But the big ones are the obvious ones. Direct material, that's your raw materials, your packaging products, and so forth. Direct labor, that's your brewers, your packaging folks. Overhead, this is where it gets a little bit more confusing because you may have allocations if you're talking about like your rent or utilities or things of that nature. Um, so going through that list and being as uh, complete and accurate as you can is, is, uh, is a good, good task So from a pricing perspective, um, once we understand what our costs are, have a pretty good handle on it, and have a system to keep them updated, we want to understand how the costs are going to relate to pricing, and then ultimately pulling it all together uh, to understand what our margins are. So our pricing terms, I'll go through these quickly. Uh PTW or PTD, that's if we are selling to a wholesaler. That's the price-to-wholesaler or the price-to-distributor. The wholesaler is then going to sell to the retailer. That's the PTR, price-to-retailer. And the retailer is going to ultimately sell to the consumer, PTC, the price-to-consumer. So when we're getting into our pricing, we just want to make sure that we are clear about what the stakeholders are and what the margin analysis and requirements for each are, within the three tier system. So we use this handy dandy little beer pricing schedule and this is in our downloads and we'll pull together all of our information. So what I recommend doing is having a sheet like this for a minimum for your big selling products. So in this case we've got Easy IPA and we've got all the different package configurations from half barrel to 12 ounce cans. And we really want to understand what are our beer costs and what are we selling it for so we know what our margins are. And I've used this example before, but I think it's worth repeating. Once we do this, we might find that margins on certain products are really low and margins on other products are surprisingly high. So this is just an example. It's an illustration. Uh, you know, Numbers will vary. But in this case, you can see when we do this analysis, we're making over 50% on half barrels and under 20% on our 12-pack, 12 12-ounce 12 cans. So it's not so much about those particular outcomes as it is doing this process to take your costs, match it up to your prices, and then see what your margins are so you understand uh, what's going on in there. So we ran through the highlights pretty rapidly, covered a lot of ground. Just So just to recap it, these problems in your financials are real. You may have one or more so my recommendation, you know, my action item is to really kind of look at each of these: keg inventory, product inventory, accounts receivable, collections, as it affects your cash flow and your product margin variances. Um, you know, just kind of walk through those, look at your financials, see if something looks funny in there, and use those common um, causes. There's, you know, there's, there's not an infinite number of causes. You know, there's a handful for each of these. Um, so it should, you should be uh, able to identify these relatively quickly and put some fixes in place. Beer costing and pricing, you know, I think the one takeaway from here is just got to know what your beer costs to make. You got to understand your bill of materials, make sure it's complete and accurate and then marry that up to your, to your beer pricing sheet uh, so that you can really understand what are my margins throughout my portfolio. Cause we can have really big uh, swings in margin on one package versus another. Uh, So this analysis will help us understand that. So that is our live session for today. um, If there's any questions before we wrap up, go ahead and fire those in the chat section. Um, If anything comes up after, definitely throw it in the comments section of the course. Um, I look at those each day and I'll respond to them uh, as quickly as I can generally the same day that you post it. And uh, again, my email, carrie at beerbusinessfinance.com if uh, you'd like to reach out. So thank you very much, everybody. And again, happy St. Patrick's Day. And keep on the lookout for an email with a link to the replay. Uh, If you couldn't attend or if you'd like to share it with someone else, uh, please go ahead and do that. We'd love to get this this information out to folks. And with that, I will leave you and wish you the best of luck. And we'll see you next week. Uh, We'll be sending an email out probably on Monday uh, with a link so that you can sign up for our next course. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate your time today. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time... Get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.